Welcome to Sports Central. I'm Rick Drewer. Yep, there is no Phil Fechner. My mate's not here, and the reason he's not here is he's gone down with the COVID. Well, there you go. I reckon the effort in making a comeback from uh, his retirement in umpiring to uh, the <laughs> umpiring two games last week must have fatigued him badly enough that his immune system broke down and bingo, there he is, down with the COVID and Mawson Lakes is in isolation. So anyway, we'll see what we can do without him. Uh, we'll just briefly mention last week's opening round of the BLG footy. Uh, no great surprises. Williston absolutely flogged Freeling. Uh, and that is a okay, Williston were in the grand final last year, but um, 21 13 to 7 9, it's going to be, I hope I'm wrong, a very, very long season for Freeling. The worst thing about it is that you have a look at their other lower grades and they got flogged by just as much. So there's nothing much in the uh, the bank for Freeling. I was actually speaking to a fellow the other day who uh, suggested the major problem that Freeling have got, which I had never thought about up until his mention of it, is that most of the young kids go to school somewhere else, Kapunda, Gawler, name it, Newry, whatever, because there actually isn't a school in Freeling as we speak, uh, which is a very good point. Uh, it's certainly an up-and-coming, expanding, growing area, and I guess when there are enough school-age kids, they'll build one, but um, it's a good thought. So probably those kids who go off to school somewhere else make friends with those uh, uh, in their class and then go and play for the clubs that they're playing for, uh, which obviously reduces uh, Freeling's uh, resource and recruitment area. Anyway, uh, let's hope that they straighten it out sooner or later because they're going to be a whipping horse, I think. South Gawler, uh, comfortably, uh, well, comfortably, three and a bit goals, uh, disposed of Newry. Uh, they'll be up and around again. Now, probably if there was an upset it was the uh, Barossa-Kapunda game um, where I uh, believe that I picked Kapunda to win and I unfortunately <laughs> believe that Phil picked Barossa to win. Uh, he seems to be getting them right. However, uh, Kapunda did their guaranteed best to lose the game by kicking seven goals, 21, uh, and uh, went down by 11 points to Barossa, 11-8. 19 scoring shots to 28 means that uh, Kapunda might have uh, some goal-kicking practice or something. The game that I covered, Tanunda, 12-12, defeated Anguston 7-10 in what was really uh, an also-run game. It wasn't anything spectacular. Kapunda were on top from the very start when um, Trent uh, Gers, uh, having been moved uh, for the season, it seeming, from half-back to the forward pocket, kicked uh, his first goal within the opening minute. No wonder he's called Dusty. It's not for uh, no reason. He seems to have a magic touch with uh, three premierships and three best on the grounds in cricket and a goal in the opening 55 seconds in the new footy season. Um, so, uh, and... Uh, they're going to be around the mark. 
they really are going to be around the Wartum Nunda. So no real surprises, uh, but we'd better wait and see how the season develops before we uh, get too carried away. Now, what I really would like to speak about in a serious vein uh, for a couple of minutes is the concept. Now, I'm talking about sport at the highest level, the elite level, but I am incredibly concerned about the transgender problem that is being created in the world of inverted commas, women's sport. Now, prior to the Summer Games of Tokyo in June, July of 21, um, there was a great and heated debate when New Zealand Olympic Committee picked Laurel Hubbard to be selected in the Kiwi weightlifting team. There were reverberations and complaints all around the sporting world. You may well ask, who is Laurel Hubbard? And what was all the fuss about? Well, let me tell you, Hubbard, at the age of 43, became the first ever openly transgender athlete to complete uh, to compete in the Olympic Games. Lowell Hubbard fully transitioned at the age of 35. Uh, she stands 185 centimetres tall and at one time had a body weight of 131.83 kilograms. Now, to be fair, I don't think you'd call that a typical female athlete. Anyway, uh, let's see. Before her transitioning, she'd competed in men's weightlifting events, setting national records as a junior. And to be fair, Hubbard met all the eligibility requirements for the Olympic Games. Now, in the debate and the overall scheme of things, Hubbard failed to place, and so the controversial status and the debate sort of faded uh, because, obviously, she didn't collect any medals or anything, but it's continued to bubble just below the surface. I mean, the reality is this, in my belief. The facts are that she lived as a male for 35 years and had the benefit of a male puberty and three and a half decades of testosterone as well as skeletal advantages, meaning bigger muscle mass development, VO2 max, all those things that men uh, are born and have a natural um, score higher than the average woman. And so now, as if we're just repeating the same sound loop, enters Nancy Hogshead Macar. Now, you might say, who's she? Well, she's been an Olympic champion. She's a civil rights lawyer and a women's sports activist. When she was asked concerning America's transgender swimmer, Leah Thomas, who has just recently competed in the NCAA championships, she replied disgust concerning the unfairness of the situation. Quoting her, Nancy, Leah is not the same calibre athlete Look, she's the last person off the starting block blocks. She has a terrible turn. She has no underwater game, but she has what nobody else has, which is male puberty. The major difference concerning Leah and uh, our dear friend uh, 
Laurel Hubbard is that uh, she was very successful. Now, the thing is, the Americans, as we all know, still stick to some of their old-fashioned ideas and in some areas still use uh, yards instead of metres. But the fact is that Leah Thomas placed first in the 500-yard freestyle final, beating the Olympic silver medalist, Emma Wyant, by over one and a half seconds into second place. Well, you know, that's a quarter of a lap of the pool. Similarly to Hubbard, Thomas commenced her collegiate swimming career being on the men's team uh, prior to receiving hormone treatment and being reassigned to the women's team this year. Also like Hubbard, Leah didn't break any of the rules in relation to the competition. That's got to be made crystal clear. She had been on hormone therapy for two years. The NCAA only required it for, to be one year. The problem is she did well. She won, and won convincingly. So that's what all the fuss is about. And now, for the major focus and the issue, do transgender women have an advantage over women in elite sports? Hogshead Maker and Women's Sports Policy Working Group member, the nine-time Wimbledon champion Martina Navratlova, both categorically say yes if the athlete has undergone male puberty. As a consequence, they both have been labelled as transphobic, trans-hate and anti-trans bigots. Well, I guess I'm going to have to join the club. As they say, we are not trans-hate. All of us in the WSPWG have worked to stop these bills that stop horrible bans on trans people. However, Hogshess Mega pointed out that statistics, the science, the anatomy, the physiology, the biomechanics supporting those male-born competitors have a significant advantage over size gender women. It just doesn't cut it with members of the trans community and their supporters, but nevertheless, it is a fact. It would appear to me, and to many others, that the politically correct movement has resulted in many, maybe a majority of the community, choosing not to express their opinion for fear of retribution. Well, I'm prepared to put my hand up. However, an anonymous letter from a group of Ivy League parents says it all. Quote, women deserve fairness without caveat, and they should not be asked to shoulder the mental health of others at their own expense. A male body cannot be a female body. A woman is not a disadvantaged man. In February, 16 members of the University of Pennsylvania's women and diving teams wrote a letter to the university and the Ivy League stating, quote, biologically, Leah holds an unfair advantage over the competition in the men's category, as evidenced by her rankings that have bounced from number 462 when competing as a male as to number one competing as a female. And that is their argument. Hogshead Magar concludes by saying, we don't need sex segregation necessarily in recreational sport. 
Most people are out there to have a good time, but in the competitive ranks, we do need sex segregation. Maybe it is best summed up by the world's athletics boss, Sebastian Coe, when he says the integrity of women's sport and the future of women's sport is very fragile. And I couldn't agree more with that. And in fact, I was amazed that uh, on, I think it was the Channel 10 News the other night, Thursday night, I believe it was, even England's Prime Minister, Boris C. Johnson, had got into uh, the subject and talking about it. The reality is, in my, uh, they haven't come up with the correct rules to canvas this at the elite level. Um, I really believe, not that I'm the expert in this area, but I really believe that the rule should be a simple one, that you compete at the elite level under the banner of the sex that you were uh, given at birth. And chemical, medical, whatever influences uh, should not dictate at a later date hormone therapy or whatever uh, where you stand. It is unfair on size, gender, naturally born women uh, that this is occurring. So there's my little CERN. Uh, I hope it didn't uh, go on for too long, but I believe that it's going to become more and more of an issue at the elite level of sports as medical uh, and, I guess, chemical intervention uh, seems to take place. Okay, <laughs> a more flippant topic, perhaps. <laughs> I, I never get blown away by the number of strange uh, sporting comments that come out of the mouths of elite athletes at different times. Now, I guess part of it's to do with the fact that journos are always wanting a quote or whatever, but as good as it gets, I reckon, has just recently come from Aaron Finch, uh, Australia's ODI uh, and T20 captain, who's having a bit of a rough time of it. Uh, in the just-completed ODIs against Pakistan, he made 23 a duck and a duck. And prior to that, in the T20s against Sri Lanka, he'd made 8, 25, 35, 2 and 8. So he's not travelling all that well. So when he was asked about the problem, this I reckon is fantastic. He said, it's all in the first few deliveries. Well, ain't that the truth? Since he's got 23, 0, 0, 8, 2 and 8, uh, obviously there's not too many other than first few deliveries. Anyway, it's all in the first few deliveries. It's all in my head or where my bat is. Well, <laughs> maybe that's true too. It's just that the first couple of balls getting to my pads are in the way. And it's been that way for some time. Well, you know, an old-time cricketer, they're always dangerous, but maybe Aaron should think about using his bat to hit the ball so that the pads don't get in the way. Um, there you go. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. The pads get in the way. Maybe I should start using my bat. So anyway, while we're at it, I reckon it's time for uh, a joke. Uh, no Phil, no manager, 
I'm absolutely solo, aren't I? Anyway, one Saturday afternoon, there was a car crash on the Coburg Road in Melbourne, which saw a car driven by an Essendon fan collide with a vehicle driven by a Carlton supporter. Both cars were wrecked, but fortunately, the two men escaped uninjured. Observers wondered if the two would get into a Barney, but instead they seemed pretty relaxed about what had just happened. You're okay, said the bomber. Yeah, I'm all right, said the blue. How about you? No, I'm fine. But then the Carlton fan stopped and bolted for his car. Jeez, he cried. I've got a case of VB in the boot. They'd better not be bloody smashed. He forced open the boot, looked in, grabbed a bottle and then gave a huge sigh of relief. Mate, he said to the Essendon fan, this has got to be a sign. Why don't we have a beer to celebrate our survival? He ripped the top off the beer, handed it to his new friend and watched while, uh, while it was quickly sculled from the top to the bottom. Aren't you having one? asked the bomber as he wiped the last remnants from his lips. No, mate, said the Carlton supporter. I'll wait until the cops have come and gone. Well, there you go. All right. Now, just before we wrap up, a good friend of mine has come up with uh, a suggestion um, that uh, to stop us from forgetting about the wonderful game of cricket while we're invaded by uh, the footy season and women's finals and finals all over the place, Grand Prix in Melbourne. And he suggested, uh, without a, a, a... total time definition span, that uh, we attempt to pick the best South Australian Redbacks team to play since World War II, right? And that his challenge was, and uh, I reckon it's worth us all having a go at this, his challenge is to pick them in batting order with a captain and with a designated 12th man. So I'm going to leave it with you, our listeners, to think about it. Um, maybe, uh, maybe I'll just give you a couple of running uh, names. Uh, I won't go through my selections just yet. But uh, firstly, uh, it is true that Sir Donald Bradman did play uh, briefly after the Second World War. So he is uh, available to be picked in the side. Um, he certainly wasn't in his prime in those last uh, few innings, um, but he is technically there. So you may wish to pick a team with him in it or without him in it or two separate teams to do that. A few other names or more of more recent ilk that you might toss around, people like Jason Gillespie, Eric Freeman, Neil Hawke, um, obviously and I'll only mention two more, else I'm going to spoil the whole thing. And, of course, both, uh, well, all three Chapel brothers are eligible, um, but Greg, of course, um, played the majority of his cricket in Queensland. Um, Well, I reckon that's about it for today. Um, Hopefully, uh, the incapacitated Phil will be back for the next show and that he's uh, overcome his COVID complaints. So until next week, this is Rick.